Rachel, and I, Rachel uh, pointed out that we, we're, Nolan said he's going to go to Bible class. And we, Rachel said, you have your money. And then she said, all of our kids are going to think they have to pay to go to Bible class. <laughs> like they're going to go to different churches and be like, you don't have to give up your coins to go to Bible class? It's weird. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, actually it's my second favorite thing to do, my second favorite thing to do in a store, in a department store, is to go to the electronics section and look at the men looking at TVs. It's just that my first favorite thing to do is to go to the electronics section and look at the TVs. <laughs> but the second favorite is to look at the men, because it's just like, I was like, there's this gl- glimmer in their eye. That's so big. You know, like, I just, football, and, that, and they know, they know to show football on those TVs. Right? In the back at Walmart, it's always football, just highlights of football. It's never like an old Julia Childs episode. Like, it's, it's, it's football, and let's watch the football on a clear, it's almost like you're there watching football there. Men are drooling. And we want, but none of it, um, we don't take any of those things home. We just go look at them. A lot of y'all are of the age where you, um, some, some of you don't remember this time, um, but back when layaway was like really the only way you could get a nice thing, um, and you would put things in layaway. Layaway, you had to put a certain percentage down, those of you who are too young, put a certain percentage down, and you would then you would make payments on it until you bought it fully in cash. Um, and sometimes, if you, if you wanted to have a real special outing, you would go eat at a restaurant and then go visit the stuff you're eventually going to own and lay away. Just go look at it. See there? That's ours. That's going to be ours one of these days. We're making the payments. Uh, this, is, this is what we're getting for Christmas. Start in, start in October, put the payments down, start throwing those in. Maybe you'll have it by the time... February rolls around. But you go visit your stuff because it's the stuff you value. The stuff, And some, maybe some of you do this with your uh, phones or your computers. You sit down and you get on Amazon or eBay or, I don't know, any other websites. Um, and you just look at stuff that you want. Essentially, and this, I'm not an expert on this, but I think there's a website called Pinterest where this is essentially what that is. This is... I'm, I'm collecting all the things I want to have and to eat. That's it. Like, I want to eat this, I want to have that. And then I want to have this and eat that. Pinterest is just a collection of the stuff you want, and you just look at it and the stuff you desire, and you want to be near it. So let me, I put it on my wall. I have a wall that I put my thing on. I pinned it there. I don't know how Pinterest works. If I'm making fun of it in an inappropriate, I don't know how it works. But... We, we like to be around the things we desire. Um, we like, and this, this happens both um, on, on small scales with stuff, or uh, unfortunately on big st- scales with stuff, like just having stuff. And then also happens with relationships. You have people that you like to be around. You have people that you love and you want to be around. These are called friends, and hopefully called spouses. And... You want to be around your spouse. You want to be around your friends. You want to be with 
your church, so you come and you're near it. You're near them. We're together in a room. Um, this is a beautiful thing as long as we don't cross those small and large desires. So we really want a TV. Or you really want that particular watch or those boots or you want a thing. And maybe you've gone to the store and you just sort of like, oh, I'm going to meander over and look at that purse I want. Or that bag. I just said purse. Bag's a great, a great second example, everyone. I'm going to meander over and look at the thing. And then I'm going to look at that thing. But if your life revolves around things or stuff, or gifts, or items purchased, trucks, and cars, and houses, and RVs, and if your life revolves around that, it's really going to mess with your relationships. But it's our relationships that we should have a deeper desire for, a deeper longing for. I want to be with my family. I want to be with my friends. I want to be with my church. And in the end, I want to be with God. The first time Jesus sets an example for us is when he's 12. Jesus at 12 years old, 12 year old boy, sets an example for us. Now 12 year old 12 years old then is different from a 12-year-old now. Uh, 12, 12 years old then, you're almost into manhood. Uh, back then, the, the way they gauged being a man or being a woman was defined... Well, it's always been defined by when can you do the important things an adult can do. And that... Thing, that line has changed over the years for, for most of human history. It's been, when can you work? Can you work in a field like a man can work in a field? Can you work in the house like a woman can work in the house? At that point, you are a man or a woman. So the ages of 13, 12, 13 was about the age a man became a man and a woman became a woman. That's why it's important to remember that Mary was probably 13 years old. 13 or 14 years old when she had Jesus. Do we have any 13 or 14 year old girls in the audience? Raise your hand. None? Jade? I knew Jade was. I thought. Didn't want to guess. You never guess a woman's age, whether a teenager or not. <laughs> Annabelle, yeah. Now, for us, 13 or 14 year old girl is Jade Annabelle, not woman about to get married. So they, they had different phases in their life. Those looked different. So when Jesus was 12, he wasn't like, like our 12-year-olds are just forgetting deodorant. That's all their life revolves around, just forgetting to wear deodorant. And, but for a 12-year-old boy back then, it was, he, was, he was becoming a man. He was uh, an adult. He was, he was almost an adult. So we find Jesus as a 12-year-old. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, 
they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. It was a large company, a large group of people that they would travel. And so you would get in, you would, you would have a bunch of family members traveling together, and if you didn't see Jesus for a whole day or two, it was because he was with an aunt or an uncle, or he was um, with a grandparent or something. He was in the van with the DVD player. The caravan with the... No, don't give me credit for that one. So they, they, didn't, they were unaware of it. He stayed behind Jerusalem. They were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a full day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. This is panic. Remember last week when we talked about the, the phenomenal responsibility of raising the Son of God? You've done well for 12 years, and then you lost him. <laughs> oh, no. You, I mean, they traveled for a day. They don't just whip around, do a U-turn, and get back to Jerusalem in 20 minutes. They've been traveling for a day. That's a day of walking. Well, what, what, did you not see him? I saw him, but I thought he was... At, like, when we need I remind you, he's the son of God. Whisper fighting. You, you've done that in public, haven't you? Not right now. Not right now. So they get back, panicked. I, I just can't imagine the, the the their the heart sinking. They they head back. Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, hold on, hold on. After three, they looked. How many of you used to hide in the circle clothes racks at Walmart? Yeah. Thank you. Something a church can agree on. Man, we get in there. Why? Because it was amazing. Why not? And your parents would would lose you for five minutes and be all be full on frothing at the mouth angry. Finally find you and say, I, I did not know where you were. Of course you didn't. I was hiding. We probably could respond like Jesus. Mother, didn't you know I would be here in the clothes racks? You should have known where I would have been. They were panicked. I would, I'm panicked. I mean, when you go to a place with your children, you're constantly counting. One, two, three. One, two, three. Nolan can teleport, I swear. Just, he's gone. That guy can run away so fast. And just the sinking in your heart, just at a football game where there's fences everywhere. Right? Where's, where's Nolan? Oh, goodness. Like, all it takes is her asking me that. I'm panicked. Well, they're looking for three days for this for the kid God gave them. Let that sink in. They they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Uh, the, the way. Those questions work. 
if you're a rabbi, you ask questions of people, and then they ask you a question back. It's it's a back and forth of questions. So that, um, do you do you think this is what he meant? Would would that matter in the understanding of Torah? Would that matter in understanding of Sabbath? Would that matter? So they they ask questions and just try to dig at Scripture with questions. You don't you don't dig into Scripture with answers. You don't do that. You don't you don't have all answers for the Bible are are, are a veneer that you put on the are, you know it's a it's a lacquer that that seals it into place. Digging into scripture takes the tools of good questions. Rabbis were about good questions. They asked good questions of the text, and they sought out um, they sought out other good questions from other rabbis. The best rabbis were the ones who could ask good questions. So when it says that Jesus was in the temple asking them questions, it doesn't mean that he didn't know. It meant that he had a good understanding. He's not trying to find answers. He's provoking thought. So they find Jesus in the temple, basically interacting with the rabbis on the rabbinic level. And he's asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was blown away, was amazed at his answers, his understanding. He got it. Now, it's at that point that you really want to scold your child. But it's not in a good situation in which to scold them. But they still run up, saw him. They were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus' first words in Scripture. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my Father's house? I desired to be in my Father's house. Why were you searching for me? Shouldn't you have known? Wouldn't you have known that I would have been here? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Typically, we don't understand things whenever we're panicked. Look at what it says about Mary. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is our first introduction to the life of Jesus. Our first example of his to follow. Interesting little literary note for those of you who are nerds with me on this sort of stuff. Uh, All throughout Luke, Mary and Joseph have been the main characters. And this is the story where it switches. Um, At the beginning of the story, it is Mary and Joseph who go down to Jerusalem with Jesus. And at the end, it's Jesus who goes back to Nazareth with his parents. Um, he changes the subject, and he does it on purpose. Uh, maybe that's just maybe that only gives me chills because I'm a nerd, but I don't know. It's interesting. With, 
Say that at a Christmas party. Well, did you know in Luke 2, everyone will love you. He, he was lost. But only because he desired to be with his father. Why were you, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? When you make that shift, whenever you desire to be with God, in the same way that when you walk into a department store and you want to be with the thing you want, or if you've been traveling on business for a while and you come home to your spouse and you're longing to be with your spouse and with your kids, that same feeling we, we need to find it when we connect, when we long for God. Wouldn't you know I would be worshiping God today? Wouldn't you know I would, this is where I would be? How, how could you not know I'd be here? Listen, I, I think this happens in a lot of places. I think worship happens in a lot of places. I think it happens around the table in houses. I think it happens with, um, I think, and this is probably a little over the edge here, but I think it can happen at deer camp, maybe. I think it can be holy. I think there are moments when two or three are gathered and they are in a place and God is blessing that. I think it can happen in those places, but I think it definitely happens in this place. Whenever we decide I'm going to wake up on a Sunday morning and I'm going, I, wouldn't you know this is where I would be? Sometimes we get church real wrong. We, not, not, we don't do church wrong, although that's true too at times, I'm sure. But we just, we think church is about checking a box where you say, I, I'm, I did a thing. We kind of got to do a thing. It's the way I was raised. You just went to church. And then my parents would tell me, no, you don't go to church. You are the church. Okay. Are we the church this morning? Notice that I asked them before. Are we going to church this morning? They always said Yes. We always went. But it's built into your if it's built into your bones, sometimes it can become rote. It can become easy. It's just sort of instinct. But the reason we come here is to be together, to be with our Father together. That's 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 what we we long for interaction with our God. Because I'm guessing, I'm guessing you, like me, didn't get enough of that this week. You didn't get enough interaction with your God this week. This is, this is a place that can help you send, go and get interaction to be in your father's house. 
Now, Christians are called to even something bigger, to be our Father's house. We are called to be a place where the Spirit of God resides, and in us, people, with us, people can find an interaction with Jesus. People can find an interaction with the Holy, because they are, they are with us. And it's in those interactions, in those moments, that people will say, something's... You're in a different place than I am, they'll say. Maybe not out loud, but they'll notice. Where are you? Where is this place you are? And the first time you make that switch, the people around you are going to panic and look for the old you. And sometimes the explanation of, I need to be in my father's house, is going to be confusing and confounding to them. We need to develop over this next year. You have two weeks until your New Year's resolutions. So get all your living in. Not really. You, the, over this next year in 2017, we need to develop a desire to be with God. It's going to be slow. It's not going to be something that happens overnight. But we need to develop a desire to be with God. Sometimes that looks like church. It looks like prayer. It looks like getting in your Bible and asking questions about it. Trying to dig in a little. Why did Jesus do that? Why did he say that? Where was the circumstance here? Why would he tell this person to follow him and tell this person not to? Some good questions in Scripture if we sit down and dig into it. And I guarantee you that desire, you'll, you'll look back at the end of next year. You'll look back and think, right, I'm blown away by who I've become. I long to be with God and I long to be with his people. I say get addicted to the community of God. Need it. And that starts with realizing I don't have it all together. And I need a redeemer. I need a church. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. I need resurrection. I need salvation. And I need being united with Jesus. And if you haven't been united with Jesus, if you haven't come into contact with Jesus through the waters of baptism, today is the day. Start it out right. But if you've sort of just been going through the motions, then, and you need us to pray with you to say, instill in them a desire for you, a desire to be in their father's house. And for us, a desire to be our father's house. We instill in them that. We instill in ourselves that desire. We change the people around us, we change our families. We change our kids. We change our church. All for the better. Not for the easier, mind you, but for the better. That sort of life will amaze the world and allow them to think seriously about the things that really matter to us.
they'll want to be with us. They will. The more love and grace you show each other, the more like Jesus you are, the more people will want to be with you. The more patient you are, the kinder you are, the gentler you are, the more self-controlled you are, the more people will want to spend time with you. Because deep down, the world longs and desires to be with their creator. And the more you look like the son of God, the more you look like a daughter of God, the more the world is going to be oddly drawn to it. That'll happen. It can happen this year. It can happen this week. You can do it. Desire to be in the presence of God. Desire to be united with God. Desire to be in his house and be his house. If you want to recommit your life to God or to commit your life to God for the first time to the blood of Jesus and the waters of baptism, please come forward while we stand and while we sing. We shall assemble on the mountain.